Bienvenue à Wibuhel. C'est Wibuhel. Ou peut-être que non. Je m'appelle Anime Bill. Je n'aime que l'anime profonde et artistique. La scène de la sincère est géniale. Je ne savais pas de quoi vous parlez. Je préfère la travers l'intérieur d'Ian Cartes. Que signifient les lignes électriques pour vous? Je demande, je ne sais pas. Oui, oui, Anime Bill. Mais qu'en est-il de Jeff Bezos? Qu'en est-il de Capitaine? En tant que membre du comité, la sécurité publique, c'est plus important pour moi que Waifu. Waifu n'est plus plus mes rêves Je n'ai plus que mes pleurs à gêner. Des préférences effectuent à l'envers. So, um, as I was saying before I uh, went off to university there, I've been doing the parkour thing that was hot as balls, so I decided that the fastest way between two points was to make the first point and the last point the place I'm standing. It's very efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it makes me a master tracer. That's another French thing, parkour. Tracer. Un robber petit. <laughs> Where do we start with, with this other than, you know... With where we started with this. Where do we start with this? I, I We could start with some proper nouns, some title, I guess. Uh, the first show today was Serial Experiments Lane. An oldie that we've been meaning to get to. Uh, the, uh, it the... may have been introduced to you in college as Unchien Andalou featuring <laughs> a fucking knife slowly going through the surface of someone's eye very artistically. This episode started out in, in concept as uh, an episode called Fine, I'll Watch It, and then we watched, like, two very highly regarded classics. The other one is going to be Steins Gate, right? Mm-hmm. Then, as we were watching, it was Lane specifically. As we were watching Lane specifically, we could not stop making film school jokes. Yeah, we, constant film school jokes, constant fake French dialogue. I think my borderline racist American ass said the word baguette around 46 <laughs> times. So that's kind of the shape that this episode ended up taking. And that's, um, <laughs> uh, I was going to take some fucking notes about this, but <laughs> I'm not, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start with the, uh, with a conversation mm-hmm. here? Because I'm like, that's an interesting question. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one to jump right in. I've never, liked a show and been so befuddled on this program it's kind of an interesting place yeah i like i definitely know that it's good like i'm pretty sure that it's good i think it's good um i don't know what the Uh, that's not entirely i kind of know what it is watching lane reminds me of how everyone described fucking house of leaves when it came out because i don't know house of leaves is pretty easy to follow along it's just like doing four simple things at once yeah that's that's about fair this is very dedicated to art film forms of conveying information. And I think the thing that makes this show really interesting is that it's concerns, like it's topics, there's like the technology it's interrogating and the sort of part of the human experience is interrogating. It's all in the cyberpunk niche, but it has ditched all of the typical cyberpunk vehicle. Like there's no deliverator shit. The evil corporation comes in after the episodes we watch. Like, the Star Trek episodes that we watched for this podcast episodes are basically just an art film about a high school, a teenager in high school. It's it's very decompressed. And it is very, yeah, yeah, sure, it is very decompressed. Well, Except with, when it does, like, this one binge about a fake drug, and then it goes right back to decompressed land. Yeah, I think, 
in 2020, it's going to be really difficult to talk about serial experiments lane without sort of um, thinking about it in the context of the way things went, I guess, as it's this commentary on, you know, technology. This is this is 1998 right here. Right. Um, and it was a commentary yeah. on technology and the early Internet. Like this was. This was when the World Wide Web was you know, kind of a thing. I, like it existed, I guess, but um, yeah, yeah, we're, not we're a whole lot of people were the, used, uh, using it. Yeah, there's like it, it, a bunch of early adopters, certainly. Like people were definitely stealing anime already. And our thinky show writer, or wait, was this adapted from anything? Nope, nope. This is an original thing, kind of like a this Evangelion. is an original. Good on them. So yeah, our um, our thinky writing staff is very concerned that the emerging technology is going to make us more depersonalized and lose our sense of self and uh i think he was insane congratulations (laughs) i know threw one from the three-point line i guess so yeah this was written by uh stephen curry (laughs) uh it honestly it feels like it was written by william gibson but (laughs) obvious influence very true, and that is probably the highest praise I can give this show. Well, it feels like early Neil Stevenson, whereas Steinsgate later feels like late Neil Stevenson. Yeah. Lane definitely isn't fake smart. Like, you know fake smart. There are shows I like that are fake smart. What's an example of that? An example? I don't know. Ergo Proxy? Okay. All right. I wasn't super into it, but like, oh, Ergo Proxy is, in fact, also just concerned of all this technology shit. But it's there saying... We're saying a lot to you right now, aren't we, man? Leans in closer. <laughs> um, Do you see what's happening here between you and me and this future we've built? I feel like... I'm not sure if Code Geass was trying to say more than it said. Um, at times, it kind of felt like it was. and you know, But at the end of the day, it was still Code Geass. That's a great question. Like, if you make a stupid, loud opera about a guy who's supposed to be a strategic genius on the world stage, is that, like, your reach exceeding your grasp, or is, or are they just assuming you get that you're still in the same territory? They just wanted it to be about a theoretically smart person. I think I mentioned this already on this show, but I went, <laughs> I went back and watched Code GS again, and then I watched Death Note again, and, like... <laughs> Because they're sort of thought of as similar shows, right? You know, just over-the-top info warfare shows. Man, Code is fucking stupid. <laughs> like, it's real stupid. Like, I think Death Note, you know, kind of gets a little bit of shit. It's affectionate shit, but shit nonetheless for, like, the potato chip thing. But in terms of its, you know, like, direction and the stuff that it's got on its mind, it's a pretty smart show. <laughs> Code yeah, I mean, Geass is a not. pretty smart show. I think during the movie I described the um the fucking anime's tone is just like a, sort of an over the top play kind of thing. Like everything's just very overacted, but it's still smart things written by smart people. Whereas Kojias's bag of fun was okay, so three pieces of background about me, or maybe two. I uh, come from a broadly stereotypical Negro background, and I did the, I also did the whole Prince and Columbia shuffle. Which I'm not saying to jerk myself off, but to say that I, in theory I have a decent vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to describing Kojias, I can just only think of my sister walking in and saying, "Nigga, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen," <laughs> and closing the fucking door. And 
<laughs> and I always call about it. No, you don't understand. It's oh god, he's the inheritor of the fake British future throne. Please believe me. Please understand me. This is our. So yeah, this show has a uh, sort of ballsy opening power move and just opening with a suicide. Then, except it's it's like a metaphorical suicide, right? God, I feel like I'm moron talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So yeah, on page 40 of Ulysses over here, hey everyone, welcome to our fucking Ulysses podcast. We're gonna sort of read it in 16-page bursts, kind of drunk, and just stumble up to the mic and say, yeah, so uh, this guy is a kind of a literal cuckold. That's interesting, right? River Run, past even Adams, from Swerve Ashore to Binda Bay, brings us by a commodious <laughs> vicus of yeah, recirculation back to Half Castle and Environs. Sir Tristram, Violer Demur, fro over the short sea, had passed... Passancore re-arrived from North America. Marco, what the fuck is he? Okay. <laughs> On the side of the scraggy isthmus of Europe Minor to wield your flight of his Penisolite war. Nor had Topsaurus rocks by the scream Oconi exaggerated themselves to Lawrence County's Gorgeois while they went doubling their mumper all the time. Nor a voice of... Fro- <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. I only got eight lines in. <laughs> Motherfucker. <Right>. <laughs> oh man. Okay, you you go you you go on. You have things to say. I right, don't. So I've I've wanted to watch the show for a while, and I don't know how it fucking happened, but somehow in all the input about this show and the time it came out, not even the time it came out. These shows are separated by like ten years. But for some reason, I had visually linked the show with what turned out to be Frankenfran. Like, this entire time before I actually saw Serial Experiments Lane, I thought it was about someone's, like, stitched-together blonde Frankenstein waifu. That's So, strange. boy, was I thrown for a fucking loop when the fucking oh, just power lines PowerPoint intensify. transition slides came in. <laughs> Present day. <laughs> Present time. <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, Lane... <laughs> Like many classics, is one of those, one of those series that I, I watched it a very long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. and you know it was, what it was, and from then on, I would often mention to people that I had seen it. <laughs> Even did you though to, did you just point at your medals, say, "Yeah, that was me." Thirty fifth infantry, first over the hill, last out. The, yeah, what what um, I think I was something like nineteen. It was like my junior, sophomore, junior year of college when I watched it. So, Lane, right, mm-hmm. is a show about the anxieties of the approaching or towards the approaching digital world, right? The yeah depersonalization um that they sort of fear is going to come. Of the, the you know the World Wide Web and everything that it brings with it, and sort of the um, the sort of singularity, right? That's um, it, it's not quite the singularity that's happened, but you know, like in the last twenty years or whatever, right? You know, technology, right. digital technology has kind of sped up to many times the uh, the pace that it was sort of going forward at, um, you know, like in the, the century or half century previous, right? I mean, so I'd say the Serial Experiments Lane takes place in about what we call uh, 2015. 
Yeah, it does this uh, fun thing where it sort of amalgamates the upcoming wave of technology with all the stuff that's been coming before with the television stuff, and it's all this one big techno fuck mass called The Wired. The Wired, yeah, which I guess, I don't know if the World Wide Web had a uh, name yet. Um, maybe it didn't, uh, but uh, this is sort of the name that it kind of comes up with uh, for you know the World Wide Web. I know that the internet had existed since... I guess technically the late 70s. I could be very wrong, but like the internet had existed in some form since I think the late 70s. Um, and, you know, it's just about to become a more, let's say, populist technology. Yeah. And this show loves its shots of wiring, by the way, like fucking power lines everywhere. Yeah, it's a metaphor or something. I think it's a metaphor for staring at an electrician's journal. <laughs> for 48 hours in a row without blinking and everything just looks like a street corner in Mumbai because of it there's just this buzzing it's like the fucking cicadas from uh from fucking Evangelion instead of cicadas it's just the buzzing of power lines um and I feel like slightly less of an idiot not knowing what this thing is about because reportedly not even the creators can agree what this is about oh man that'd be a verbal boxing match I'd like to see Mm-hmm. They have this thing, right, called Z-Rust, which is essentially an aged vision of the future. And this is a fun show in particular to come back to after information age technology has marched along a bit further. Mm-hmm. Not for the usual, haha, look how far off these dumbasses were, but to their credit, just a lot of, yeah, indeed. <laughs> you are correct. I enjoyed that bit about it. Um, but yeah, when you talk about Z Rust or you know, you want people use the term like Raygun Gothic describe a certain type of space sci-fi. This is like the sort of the cyber, old cyberpunk really gets that feeling quickly. Well, yeah, this is like Apple II Gothic. Well, maybe a little bit further on than Apple II. I think the, Apple II um, Gothic. I love that. I think I think the iMac, the first iMac, came about uh, about a year or so after uh, after this show, and that was like a big fucking deal, as I remember. Um, I. Here's the thing. My background on the history of information technology is um, perhaps not the most solid, but I do know uh, that the the introduction of the iMac was a really big fucking deal. And this, you know, this this aired about uh, about almost exactly a year before uh, it was uh, released to uh. the public. I think it what it did was I don't know. I think it made personal computing just like way the fuck easier. So we got Lane here, right? Who They do something with this character that I normally can't stand in that for most of this she is basically this reactive board of wood, but I think I think I understand something about that archetype now that I didn't before that show. Mm-hmm. I think you can only get away with that shit when what the fuck is happening is so bonkers or hard to grasp that you don't really want a complex interiority to sort through on top of that. Well, she's Dumbo, essentially. She's Dumbo? Um, she's Dumbo. Like, Dumbo the movie, right? The movie from, like, the 30s is not so much about Dumbo. I mean, I guess it is, but it's mostly just um about this interesting world of the circus that Dumbo sort of, you know, is born into. And he's 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 very much just kind of there observing it, right? And yeah. um, Lane, sort of as a character, is written i think um to be as um 
as silent an observer as possible. Like the the thing is that she doesn't really have any, you know, technological or social skills um, to speak of. She just kind of um, appears sort of before the scenes taking place in order to kind of take them in. And you're never really sure how she feels about them. And this way she functions as a really, I don't know, a kind of interesting proxy uh, for the viewer and the viewer's own sort of uh, at the time kind of unsureness about, you know, the future that uh, information technology was going to bring them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It differs from, you know, your kind of bland, this is you guy that I often uh, kind of, uh, rail against silently into a fine powder the yeah that that i rail against and that um this show is absolutely not a uh a power fantasy in any by any stretch of the imagination so much as it is kind of a um i don't know like like a little nickelodeon and a macbook somewhat much more structured than twin peaks that's probably a bad comparison well no there's a little bit of lynch in there um a little bit i think if i had to assign a specific filmmaker to, you know, kind of this thing's aesthetic, I guess. I don't know. Not quite Jim Jarmusch, but, like, he's getting there. Uh, what if Lars von Trier wasn't a sex offender? I'm not sure that's right either, but I don't know, maybe. I haven't actually watched much of Lars von Trier's work. Uh, he's, like, one of those, you know, he very important filmmakers kind of who are just... Repetitive to me. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, hey, everyone. Welcome to film school hell. How are you doing? I'm, I'm blind auteur. If I had any bona fides going into this uh, going into this episode, they're fucking gone now. <laughs> we'll talk about the fucking Z-Rust thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the little world-building facets have that sort of amusing, I guess, lack of sheen to them now. Like, they have uh, the mysterious accelerating nanomachine drug, which... As far as I can tell, it's just Adderall plus nanobots. Microchip Adderall. It seems to be Adderall that um that unfailingly makes you overdose. Near as I Which can tell. Which is a terrible business model for any gang. Just schizophrenia in pill form. And oh, yeah, that's a that's like a fun thing to talk about. I think in the second or third episode, there's a nightclub shooting, right? So this is yeah. nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> a year later. Or perhaps even later that year, we get Columbine. So it's it's it actually very fascinating. The way we're used to. Yeah, it's like I think at some point there's you know some message board conversation, and it's treated like, oh man, some guy freaked out in a club and a couple of people died, as though you know it was an, an unfortunate accident. Um, and so yeah, here we are in 2020. Very, uh, well, that sucked. There's a textual layer of, you know, these are alienated people that they're going for. Yeah. It's just amusing because it doesn't necessarily try to play with your reactions the way it might expect around that topic. Well, yeah, it's all, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's all very matter of fact because there is something kind of subjective It's almost like a portrayal it. of a police shooting right before, like, the fucking Rodney King riots. Probably, yeah. Um, that's... And so it has that amusing... I guess lack of interview. They're they're way more focused on other facets of the situation. Well, yeah, it's because it's the, the scene is not about this guy is shooting these people in this nightclub. It's uh this guy 
is losing his on shit. Mystery Substance X, yeah. Uh, yeah, tweaking on, you know, like, Mystery Substance X, and it has compelled him to shoot a couple people in the nightclub. But really, the important thing is that he's tweaking on Mystery Subject X, and it has something to do with Lane, and she even interacts with him as though she knows more than she actually does. And I think it's one of those... I think I'm wasting my time looking for, like, something diegetic here. Oh, God, it's, it's doing the fucking art film thing where there are multiple versions of her and she's not aware of all of them and what does this mean and we must all stare into the sky and contemplate our ancestors and what our actions mean and then I get a B on a paper and I go home (laughs) I don't want to look like I'm trying to solve this show right because diegesis is kind of only halfway matters in stuff like this it's definitely the experience well like when there's six layers of metaphor in this show you know kind of the way that there is in this show then i'm not so certain that looking for um like i said sort of a diegetic answer to what's happening at any given time is going to bring you any closer to uh actually i don't know unraveling the scene that's a fair point. It's not necessarily a uh, productive use of our limited time on Earth. Like, I'm not going to be on my deathbed and think, oh, her keys were on the tabletop. Of course, that's what it meant. But then again, I don't really have a, what would you call it, decoding of that scene either. I'm not actually I don't have a decoding, much. but I do have a punchline. And boy, is that my fucking exchange for insight in my life. Oh? I watched a very different movie recently, Extraction, but I had the same thing. A secret nightclub that 13-year-olds are sneaking into and partying with each other. And all I could think during Extraction during that scene, and all I could think during this scene in fucking Serial Experiments Lane is, what kind of fucking loser was I in high school? I feel like they don't really have under-18 nightclubs in the States. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I remember at some point, you know, in my adolescence, early adulthood, um, being on, you know, certain image boards and <laughs> they would pass around, you know, like the dumb fucking photos taken of, you know, from under 18 nightclubs, you know, like by photographers hired by the nightclubs in order to hype the place up and just how, um, what the sick moves of kids that can't drive themselves home. Well, they didn't exactly seem too lit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this was UK or Canada. I don't know. I did if these exist in the States, I have never fucking heard of them. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe, like, maybe it's a West Coast thing. I don't know. But uh, I do not think that you are a fucking loser for never having gone to one of these nightclubs is the point I'm trying to make. Anime keeps giving me these, like, fantasies that I can never fulfill. Being in a youth nightclub as a teenager instead of staring at my D20 and wondering if there's a way to make an 18-sided die out of it. Oh, being in high school and having my own apartment? I am more likely to learn to fly like Goku and punch a meteorite in half than have my own apartment before I'm 35. <laughs> and I'm not a washout. I am, I don't know, advertising muckety muck man. I'm great. It's fantastic. And there is just this practical wall. <laughs> I mean, if if they figure out that you don't actually ever have to go back into the office again, like, ever. You could follow us out to, uh, San Diego, because we're 
talking about relocating there perhaps in the next, you know, four or five years, maybe. Oh, you want to be in the fucking eastern part of the Roman Empire? Okay, I know it's confusing because San Diego's in the western part of America, but the fucking idea here is that <laughs> as the Union, <laughs> you want to be a bit further from the D.C. epicenter, maybe? It could be nice. I think the event that you're talking about is going to be uh, far more brown-colored and disappointing than, you, uh, than you're saying, perhaps a little bit less loud, but I... um. It's for the seals and the Mexican food, for the most part. Seals and Mexican food. Well, I hope you enjoy that new frontier, Inside the Wired, where there may be artful transition slides of such phrases as, Who is Lane? Lane of the Wired. Bzzz. I have only given up my body. <laughs> and, of course, God is here. That is my favorite one, by the way, just God is here. That's what I just... Sat down and thought, okay, I should just take out my fucking notepad and put down my cell phone because we're going to need to have a fucking punch out with this one for me to derive some fucking meaning from it. But I'm glad it was that way. And by the way, if you look at one of the old fucking, I don't know if it's like a preview image or DVD case, look at the fucking Wikipedia image of this show. It has the fucking power lines in the photo behind the main character. <laughs> just always fucking there. So that's how fucking, I don't know, hard-coded into its motifs this show is, but... Yeah, Serial Experiments Lane is recommended for solo viewings, either extremely sober or extremely peyotied. Yeah, I would say um, you'd get bored if you were drunk or high. Um, maybe if you were stoned, you could you could get something out of it. But don't don't drink and watch this show. It's I would say like, that it's not it's not going to do it for you. Illegal weed might get you there. Legal weed, you're going to sort of shrug. Yeah, you probably you, you might actually just fall asleep which is not to say that it's boring it's just a uh it's 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 a very deliberately paced show we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's super contemplative i think you described it as the elevator scene from evangelion made the entire program <laughs> and boy do you remember the flame wars around that motherfucker oh god i um i i learned when you know sort of doing some research uh you know for this show so i could figure out what the fuck i was going to talk about um <laughs> It was uh, at times accused of sort of uh, aping the sort of tone and intentions of um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, although apparently no one on staff had actually seen Evangelion until um, partway through the series. Um, Amazing. So I guess it was just, you know, there was, there was just a certain time in Japan. I think that whole sentiment is sort of a side effect of I think when you're deep tissue into a certain level of hobbydom like the kind of person who would have watched and thought about both Eva and Lane you're not really someone who does other things and I think if you just watch fucking movies you can see why they both have these moments for for better or worse yeah like it is I don't have anything insightful to add just yeah I know that's my uh, deep cut on that part of the discourse it's just there is just a certain mode of contemplative movie that, whether you like it or dislike it, it's just one of the default tones, I guess. Mm-hmm. Contemplate your navels. All right, so our second show, also heading, oh, but God. with a lot more elements of, uh, let's say, pop music, we did a bit of Steinsgate. Steinsgate, I was expecting to um, be a little bit more brain-herdy than it ended up being. 
I think um, if I get further into this show, it probably will end up being more brain hurdy. It being, you know, a time travel show with a whole bunch of, you know, alternate timelines and shit. But so credit immediately where it is due. And actually, you sort of say that about something that you don't like. And I did like this quite a bit. Um, I actually have very few, you know, real bits of stinging criticism or anything about it. The immediate credit that is due to this show is um, that it does a very good job kind of easing you into its premise. I think the fact that it's a two-core show is probably why it was uh, it was able to have that kind of time. Because I think mm-hmm. I went into it expecting that this was just going to start trying to fuck with me immediately. And yeah, it does just a little bit. But then after it's done doing so, it kind of like allows you time to sit down and breathe and figure out just a little bit what had happened uh, before getting back sort of into the you know sci-fi premise of it. Yeah, it does a uh, very good job of pacing on information. It actually reminded me a lot of these old fantasy writing workshops where they would say, like, you want to try to charm your audience a bit before you try to hit them with the whammy of your proper system pronouns, what you call fucking magic in your world. And I'm obviously talking about science fiction, but I don't know. Fantasy is like sci-fi's retarded brother, so <laughs> similar... Similar similar thoughts in terms of pacing on information and making sure people actually understand what the fuck you're trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Steins did a very fun job of that. Um, it does prime you for where things are going with its with this little opening monologue, which very different between the sub and the dub. Oh yeah, big difference between sub and the dub. The dub was, you know, from past episodes, you the abstract collective you as a pronoun. That we appreciate a good or even neutral dub often over subs. It makes us some kind of heathens in this community, but whatever, man. I'm I'm 20. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And however, the Steinsgate dub was just just hurting my loins, like really just clogging up my vast deference, <laughs> man. I, I was. It was a little awkward, yeah. Um, maybe more of a direction I'm, thing than the actors. Like I know you were saying, like the guy who played fucking Scar in Brotherhood was. Oh yeah, he plays he plays the uh, the main character in uh, in Stein's Gate in the dub. Like it's 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 a yeah. I was looking through what the dub cast looks like, and it's you know all of them are very talented. I honestly do not think that I want to um say that any of these uh, any of these voice actors really aren't talented. I mean um I think it has a little bit more to do with a lot of the time the material that they're working with, the line production, that sort of thing. Sometimes it just doesn't go the way that you want it to. Yeah, these things are easy to get wrong under the fucking best of circumstances. And uh, I don't know, maybe it really picks up, but I guess just those opening four minutes where we we just left our legitimate dub and unfurled black sails to the land of piracy. <laughs> All right, here, here's actually the thing. Um, a lot of the time, right, in anime, you will have, you know, the the girl who has the really high voice or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And that sounds fine in Japanese. And then they sort of decide that they want to emulate it in English and it never doesn't feel affected. I think that's... Yeah, that is a big part. That was was at the core of of what the problem was with this dub because it's just... It's it's okay. I get it. Use not your voice necessarily, but a voice that does not seem that immensely affected. That's actually a good insight. Like, I hadn't thought about that particular granule of localization, but that has tanked the watchability of more than one 
Channel 32 special. That was Cartoon Network in my world. There's also Toonami. It was 32, and yeah. All that shit. It was, well, together. here. It, it, it came up between Morgan and I, right? Uh, when we were watching Brotherhood for a 12th time at one point, uh, where Morgan, if, ha- if, if they have anything that they dislike about Full Metal Alchemist, you know, like specifically the dub, because I don't know, like I discovered Full Metal Alchemist when I was like fucking 10, right? I watched the dub. When Brotherhood came out, I watched the dub. The only negative thing they had to say about uh, Brotherhood was the fact that Mei Chang was kind of a little bit on the annoying side. Um, and I really do think it is because they uh, choose to direct these voice actors to affect, you know, the whole super squeaky, high-pitched, you know, anime girl mm. voice. And I do not think that it is, you know, perhaps necessary all the time. Uh, now, it could it be that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, um, but it, th- that's just always been, you know, and if, if dubs have... Or rather, if dubs deserve any of the shit that they get, I would say that particular choice is the only one that I really generally agree with. I think that's fair. Um, I think we should probably lay some general ground down on Steins Gate. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, instead of the like super uncondensed um, or non-condensed format of uh, Lane, where the premise can sort of be described as, oh, you know, the internet's starting to happen. <laughs> um, it's like the internet's this... starting to happen. There's a girl. She may be more than one girl, but not really. Yeah, this one is pretty uh, – this one's pretty straight on. Um, a nice frame for a sci-fi show is that we have a guy who's essentially an unqualified crank, implied to be either a dropout or just college student. He's uh, he's a freshman. He's he, a freshman, okay. For whatever reason, his character design makes him look like he's 30. I think he just doesn't get a whole lot of sleep, but uh, he's a freshman. I think it's just a change in anime style over time. Like, I think if I could unfuck my brain from all the other anime I watched, I would have scanned him as maybe younger than I did, but... I guess. I, it's I the know, shape I've of had... his head, I think. I think it's the shape of his head because, you know, um, all of these fucking anime high school students, and he's literally not even a year out of high school if he's only 18, right? Um, mm-hmm. They all have... That sort of, I don't know, kind of acorn-shaped head, and he just fucking doesn't. It makes him seem like he's far older than he is, but it also um, had it, it makes his character design uh, stick just a little bit more in your head uh, than it otherwise might. So I, I would say it gets points there at the very least. Yeah, before it gets to its uh, crunchy stuff with world lines and alternate paths and all that shit, it does a good job of laying down some charm and that has the amusing frame for a sci-fi thing of essentially putting, decoding all this in the hand of a sort of hack or fake or neophyte. He's... Like, he's basically a scientific conspiracy theorist thrust I don't think he's a moron, but I do think that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. The word I would use is crank. He's kind of a crank. Kind of a crank, yeah. It, It also has this thing that I, I don't see too much, but I love it. It's this trope that I really love. It's in Futurama all the goddamn time, right? Which is uh, shitty super science, yeah. which is to say that a machine is built that does something that is impossible, only it doesn't fucking work that well. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that I love um, Star Wars Episode Five as much as I do because of the idea of, you know, the Millennium Falcon, right? Or just spaceships mm. in general in Star Wars, right? This thing that is impossibly complicated and difficult to do in real life. And it just, you know, works in Star Wars, only not very well a whole lot of the time. 
<laughs> the thing wouldn't fucking jump to light speed. Um, and, you know, what we have here in Stein's Gate is this microwave that, you know, is designed to turn things into goo, but when used correctly, or I guess incorrectly, can send emails back in time. Um, except it it often does not work very well because it is just a jury-rigged microwave at the end of the day. Uh, and th- there, there's something about that that I really love. And, I, yeah, it probably just started with Star Wars. It has natural comedic value. It even adds a bit to the conflicts and just you're, you, it feels like you're playing against the world with, I don't know, a pea shooter or just a straw with a fucking spitball in it. Yeah. It does a whole lot to sort of um, kind of codify very early on this show's um, tone and aesthetic. Um, that these are, <laughs> this is not a professional setup. These people yes. have very little idea what they're doing. They are not qualified to be involved in a plot as, uh, sort of heavy on the consequences as this is. And yet here we are anyway. Oh man, when it comes to some of the consequences that Hedy or something gets into, by the way, I am personally convinced that there is some shit that is in this show literally just to get it made like just to get it through the producers oh like the maid cafe like the fucking cat maid cafe <laughs> i was like okay okay collect your dollars come on jangle your keys for the public <laughs> which isn't to say the show isn't charming in fact it's charming probably one of its best assets and what sort of pulls you into yes i think if the show was states. not so charming it's um whole premise would be a whole lot harder to swallow it uh it does a very good job well, like we were saying it does a very good job in making you care before it starts getting into the head hurdy aspect putting these two next to each other it kind of makes me th- the interesting thing about science fiction is that unless you're going to do some hyper some kind of high performance where it's just like a fucking tech manual from the future that you always need to figure out what kind of sugar or like form of engagement you're going to put in with the serial of the, of the, like the cons of their like, well, in this case, it's the, the dialogue It's going to be like the dialogue and this thing, or I guess what makes lane so unconventional is that the choice is not usually less cinemagraphic. <laughs> yeah, perhaps that's not. The, I think, but that's the route they went for with lane and it, and it works for it. But I guess I am far more likely to rewatch a Stein's gate. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I think probably has uh, to do with my decayed attention span as a fucking human (laughs) being, but... Well, Science Gate is, um, like you said, it's just very good pop music. Yeah. Whereas, uh, Lane, I would... I would not call it that. I would call... I would call Lane, like, Brian Eno or something. Yeah, yeah, so we got Eno versus Gaga in this episode of Weeaboo Health. Oh, I need to listen to that new album. Apparently it's, like, real good. Or is it not even out yet? I don't know. I don't know. There's, I know the single is out. It's called Stupid Love, which is amusing tone to a uh, divorced lad like myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, Robert Rodriguez directed the video. Or as I've heard. Um, I need. I, I still need to watch. I don't know. I, my interactions with the world you know, lately have just been, ooh, let's watch an anime from however many years ago. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything we're up to right now is really in the genre of maintaining sanity and not going all John Wilkes Booth. Uh, do I have to fucking edit that out? Whatever. Now- <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, viewers, that line was a secret between you and me, okay? <laughs> Don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. 
or I'm gonna have to try to just hack together a fucking microwave time machine and go back in time and say, hey, fucko, stop making public jokes about going all fucking grassy no- I did it twice. Twice. That's two. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I really hope that my mic is not picking up the fucking car alarm that keeps going off outside. I can't hear it, and I don't know, maybe they'll put it in a certain place in time in history in hindsight. We'll call that part of our uh, artful production. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, this is a total minor note, it's just amusing to me. There's a lot of a uh, blushings disease, I call it, in the show. It's just that thing in anime where a female character will blush every 45 seconds. Yeah, I feel like that happens in anime and just animation way the fuck more than it happens in real life. I mean, it's 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 understandable because um I guess it's a cue that's easier to animate than act. Well, here's the thing. When when you're dealing with animation, especially on television, right? You're allowed quite a bit fewer frames, I guess, right? You're um there there's less nuance that you are able to portray on a character's face. Um mm-hmm. So you sort of have to rely on shorthands like this. So I get it. Um, I get why this trope exists. Why, you know, like, instead of... Not why instead of something, but uh, why, you know, in the absence, I guess, of, you know, the you know subtle facial movements that you really do not have the time or budget for, you have them blush. Or you give them the cross-popping veins. And it also goes back to, once again, I am convinced that there is some shit here that they, that exists to give people something familiar to latch on to. Probably for both reasons, honestly. Like, you know, it exists or came into existence as a shorthand, but now it's, you know, kind of just to be expected. The show sort of has, I mean, I think we may, we may sort of part ways in to what degree they are, but the show sort of has a light waifu gallery thing going on. Yeah, we were talking about that while we were watching, weren't we? I um, I see where you are coming from, certainly. Um, I'm a little bit more inclined to give the show the benefit of the doubt. I um, I think waifu galleries kind of belong to much more cynical shows um, <laughs> than this one. Um, it certainly does have, you know, um. A bunch of very unique character designs, especially um, for um, for the women in the cast, right? Who all seem to be of various different subcultures, I guess. They have, like, very different looks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When I talk about the idea of a waifu gallery, what I'm sort of implying is that I am being sold a bunch of, like, vaguely fanservice-y character designs, Um you know, in the absence of anything better. Um, with this, I did not really get that sense so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the sense more that, you know, they perhaps had a little bit of fun with the character designs. Um, but honestly, everyone feels so very much alive and non-generic um, that I'm, I want to, I'm, I really want to give them more of the benefit of the doubt in this case. By the way, speaking of the benefit of the doubt, I think this is very funny to me. But they that give, one, they, they give that one girl is totally just wearing cat ears around. Yeah, so, yeah, she, she, yeah. The, the, that's that's a lost front, and I think you, I think you have a fair point. I guess I just like to take my uh, digs where I can. In terms of giving themselves the legal benefit of the doubt, changing CERN to CERN with just an S, and then making them a murderous organization. <laughs> The IBN. 
Dude, at that point, if they're gonna sue you, they're gonna sue you. <laughs> I say nut up. Point at the Large Hadron Collider and say, They're trying to take over the world! And let security drag you out of the room. That was a really fun weekend, by the way. You know, you, you were talking about while we were watching. <laughs> no one was convinced that there weren't a bunch of fucking xenomorphs that weren't going to pop out of that thing if they turned it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I was re Everyone's just stocking up on fucking baseball bats and protagonist speeches and trying to find the fucking construction equipment suit from Alien 2. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to like, oh, no, it's fine. We're just going to collide a couple of hadrons. What does that mean? No one is laying eggs in my mouth. You hear me? I remember being on Reddit and, you know, just people who knew more than I did were talking about it. Like, oh, yeah, there is that, you know, sort of off, you know, outside chance that they accidentally reset the universe or whatever. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very outside chance. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> fucking seg fault in the simulation. I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe they just succeeded in creating this weird fucking timeline. We talk about the memory and ingenuity it takes to succeed in science, but sometimes just the courage of knowing that you have a 0.5% chance of resetting the world into some kind of wackadoo Six and Liu novel. <laughs> Did I fucking pronounce That's it? That's a really fucking... If, if, if the stakes are resetting the fucking universe... And it's a 0.5% chance. Like, if you get it down to point, like, 0.001% chance. Okay, fine, fine. You can turn on that Hadron Collider. 0.5% <laughs> chance. That still means, what, like, one out of every 200 ch times, right? I think how eh. far you could get in the sort of quantum fields is based on what number in your head it becomes acceptable. And I guarantee... Oh, there's any STEM people out here who think I'm a moron? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. This show is two fucking English majors, and my higher education just makes me a double English major. So, do forgive <laughs> the ignorance behind our riffs here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, me I'm make a fucking words moron. Sound I, have, good. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. At least in this context. But what I can say is this show makes words sound good, too. Oh, it does the good words shit, yes. Tickle brain nice. Much intrigue. I, I guess I should say that there's a well-managed mystery throughout the early stretch of this of just the entire certain thing that... Oh, fuck. Spoiler town that we just jumped a bike into, I guess. It's it's a 10-year-old show. Like, okay, we didn't yeah. spoil it. Your half-hour review of a 10-year-old show, you got spoiled on, like, a fucking mid-card plot point. <laughs> Move forward with your lives. I'm still kind of just laughing at myself uh, for kind of psyching myself out about this show, expecting it to just lie to me at every point in time and expecting me to be a genius. It, 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 it doesn't. It's You can follow it. I think it's probably going to end up being one of those series that's harder to describe, um, right, than to understand, um, you know, like the further you get into it. Mm -hmm. Sort of like how... People who played Kingdom Hearts understand Kingdom Hearts. Um, and many of them, most of them perhaps, are fucking morons. Um, so it can't be that complicated. <laughs> Maybe there's just so much time. I want to write, before I die, a paper about Kingdom Hearts just called Conceptual Inbreeding. 
just the ability to it has so much time to to fucking build up it's just endless fucking fuzz that it lives in and i think i could just change the world with my little song if i actually finish that I remember. I, I feel like it was like uh, oh, what's his name? That one YouTuber, Ryan David Gilbert, who tried to make like a YouTube video about the plot of that franchise, and it just it didn't work. Great. Um, I could be misremembering his name, but uh, he he's with Polygon a whole lot of the time. I think you know, some crossover appeal with the with the uh, the McElroy boys. I think I. I don't know I think they're just all on that platform a whole lot. By the way, in terms of things being um precise products of their time, mm-hmm. I really like that this show was made at a specific point where a reference to like two chan or four chan meant funny basement dwellers and society oh, yeah, just weird, instead of just like internet weirdos. Yeah, who like are kind of into conspiracy theories. Where the implications were more that instead of where the Nazis hang. It's a real timestamp. I'll admit, I will occasionally go back to 4chan just to sort of poke my head in a little bit. And there is sort of a... Um, time. There, there's a growing sort of, you know, anti-Nazi faction on that. Now, it does not at all redeem that website in the slightest. But, I don't know. It always endeavored to be countercultural in all things. And now that the fucking culture on that thing is Heil Hitler... <laughs> The counterculture is now, Black you should humanity. do what your fear did and blow your fucking brains out. <laughs> and in the end, isn't that what Weeboo Hell is all about? Nazis should kill themselves and anime is fun too, I guess. I like that as a, uh, as a kind of series ethos, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And in terms of these series ethos, um, Steins Gate, you have um, Don't Fuck With Time Travel. And in Lane, you have... <laughs> the internet is we like kind of, kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for those scary. power lines, bro. The power lines go. Bzzz. But yeah, this has been Weeaboo Hell. Sissy Weeaboo Hell. J Sweet's Weeaboo Hell. Wait, no, hold on. Sissy Nepage. Weeaboo hell. There we go. Sissy nippage weeaboo hell. Can you tell which one of us took French classes? Pro tip. It's not this guy. <laughs> it was barely this guy. <laughs> you would not believe the fucking struggle empire it took to make that opening. <laughs> uh, if you stick around till after the credits, we might include the outtakes. I don't know. de quoi vous parlez je préfère nope that was wrong <laughs> fuck me uh, <laughs> let's try it again <laughs> bienvenue à Wibu now fuck me that's not it it needs to be like more you know with gravitas <laughs>